Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. I invite Doug Grogan up this morning as we continue in worship uh, in God's Word this morning. Amen. Thank you, worship team, very much. Uh, You may not have been here last Sunday uh, to see Vern Downs' most creative introduction. I've never had such a creative introduction in 97 years of life. Uh, And uh, thank you, Vern. Uh, So you may be wondering, uh, most of the pastors around here are skinny. Uh, (laughs) Who's this guy? (laughs) Well... Um, just to help you out a little bit, and you can take all your aggression out towards me, uh, I'm probably the reason that Pastor Rob isn't with you anymore, Uh, because he left to take my job that I retired from, but that was my second time retiring, so retirement doesn't go very well for me. Uh, uh, but Rob's where he needs to be, and uh, you may wonder, well, how did this not-so-skinny guy get here? Uh, Back in 1984, we left uh, Paradise, Hawaii, uh, to move to the land of Zion, Price, Utah, uh, to take a church that was about 40 people and 45 years old, and uh, we saw God do some amazing things. And today, uh, there's a church of about 300 in Price, Utah. And uh, in those days, uh, there were no Taco Bells in the whole state of Utah. That was 1984. So we would drive to Mesa Mall. <laughs> two hours and, uh, and about 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, just for a green bean burrito. That <laughs> uh, was good. And in those days, uh, they were only about uh, 59 cents. And so the way I justified this is it was a great bargain. We had no bargain like that in price. So we would come to Mesa Mall. Little did I know that uh, about 22 months after you started as a church, I would be your district church planting director. Uh, Those days you were meeting next to the Safeway in a little storefront up on Redlands Parkway. Uh, Was with you to oversee the move to the school. Uh, Was with you to see the purchase of your property. And then I became your district superintendent and was with you for the building of your first building. I was your superintendent for your accreditation as a church. That means when you go from being a toddler and a teenager you leave adolescence and become an adult church. Yeah. And you were certainly that. And uh, then I had the privilege of being here for the dedication of your first building as your superintendent. I had the privilege of overseeing uh, your pastoral transition uh, from the Clarks uh, to the Stories. 
And then I had the wonderful privilege of installing uh, Rob Story as your pastor uh, the Sunday following 9-11. In fact, we had had district conference up in Silverthorne. And uh, that Sunday, uh, and I, I wrote it down somewhere, the date, uh, but it, it was in September, and, uh, and it was a Sunday following the Tuesday that 9-11 happened. Uh, that afternoon, after uh, taking Robin Lynn's story to uh, lunch, um, I actually started looking for property out here. Uh, and uh, on October 23rd, uh, 2001, uh, we bought our place that is up at Mesa. And, uh, and uh, really did not move out there full-time until last September. Uh, and God blessed us with that. That's why if you look at my shirt this morning and you see spots in these lights, I actually took this shirt to Palisade Cleaners and got it back in a nice plastic bag and put it on today. And uh, came to church this morning and spilt coffee all over it. So. <clears throat> And I Googled it to make sure on Google Maps. Uh, my closet is exactly 43 miles from the front door of this church. So, so, so I hope you can look past the spots, okay? Uh, but maybe that helps you to know me a little bit. Uh, I, I feel very connected to River Life Church. And uh, the leadership has asked me to help out in the interim as you go through this pastoral transition. One other thing on that uh, before we pray this morning, and that is simply this. If you are a member of this congregation, that means you've gone to the membership class and, uh, and you've gone through uh, what we require for membership. You've had an interview with the elders. You've received a letter saying that you're a member of this church. Uh, as we, you leave this morning... Uh, Julie's going to be out uh, in the uh, entry along with uh, another person, and she will be handing these out to members who will take one. And what this is is a pastoral search congregation input survey. It starts out with a, what they call a SWOT test, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And uh, as we go through this transition process and we work together with your church governance authority and with your elders, uh, we want input from you. And so we would love for you to take one. If you forget one, there's going to be an electronic copy on the website, and you can fill it out and just put member at the top. Now, if you're not a member but you feel that you really need to fill one out, well, we want you to do that. We just want you to put non-member at the top so we can segregate the, the members from the non-members as we receive input. You need to know that your Board of Elders and your Church Governance Authority will be doing this as well. And uh, we would like to have your feedback and your participation in this process. Uh, you have until the Sunday after Labor Day uh, to turn these in. That's September 11th. You can email them to the church office or drop them off physically, and we would appreciate that very, very much. So we want your input, okay? So be sure and remember that at the close of the service today. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your goodness and that you're good all the time. We thank you that all that we have need of is found in your Son, Christ Jesus. 
We thank you for the gift of your word, which is living and, uh, and uh, able to pierce between uh, uh, bone and marrow, and it's powerful. And uh, Lord, we pray by your spirit that you would minister your word today. We pray that you'd hide your servant behind the cross, and together we would see Jesus and see him lifted up. We pray that you give us hearts and minds to receive and comprehend. And Lord, give us a, a will to, to be obedient to doing your will here today. And we'll just thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 32. Uh, on the back of your one-page bulletin, there's a very thorough outline so that uh, uh, you can follow along. And... Uh, uh, As we come to Genesis 32 today, last week we looked at Jacob. We looked at Jacob the deceiver, the meaning of his name. Uh, We looked at how he stole the blessing. And we looked at how important the blessing is in our lives and and the lives of our children and even in the lives of our spiritual children as God allows us to bless others. Well, today we're going to pick up Jacob again as his name is uh, uh, changed to Israel. And uh, from Jacob, Jacob meaning uh, the deceiver or the liar or the holder of the heel, uh, uh, has uh, many different names, Uh, we come to the name of uh, Israel. And as we look at Israel, it simply means uh, uh, one who fights or persists with God, one who travails with God, uh, one who is passionate about God. And over the years, it has actually become uh, known as the Prince of Nations as well. But uh, uh, his name is changed. And in that this morning, I want us to see two valuable lessons One is the need for salvation, and the other is the need for the fullness of God's Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And yes, we see all of this in Jacob in the Old Testament. Now, as we look this morning, we're going to look at how Jacob wandered from God, how he waited on God, how he wrestled with God, and how he walked with God. Uh, When we find Jacob, we find that... uh, Uh, He's probably what we would call a nominal Christian or a very carnal uh, Christian. He acknowledges God in his life, and we're going to see this in Scripture. But he's uh, he's not living for the Lord. In fact, he's living up to his name as the great deceiver. Uh, he stole the blessing, and, and then he ran off to Uncle Laban's house. And there he sojourned for a number of years. And, and when we pick him back up in Genesis 32, he's coming back home. He has to face his brother from whom he has stole the blessing. And we kind of get an insight to what's uh, uh, going on in Jacob's life as we pick it up in verse 22 of Genesis 32. It says, Now Jacob arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and he sent them across the stream, and he sent uh, across the stream whatever he had. And then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while, his, uh, while he wrestled with him. And then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. 
But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, and he said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Penel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. As we look at these verses, we see that Jacob is headed home, but we see that he is still wandering from God. We see that he had allowed deceit to enter into his life, and we see that he had legally bought his birthright, but he had stole his blessing. Now, I wonder this morning, uh, are we wandering from God? There are times that uh, we wander from God. In fact, in the old hymn, the hymn writer says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And when I say wander, I am saying W-A-N-D-E-R, okay? Uh, uh, we are prone to wander. We, we let cares of the world enter in. We let disappointments enter in. We say, if I were God, I wouldn't have done it this way. If I were God, I wouldn't have allowed it in my life this way. And we tend to grow cold sometimes in our faith and wonder from God. In fact, when the angel confronts the Laodicean church, uh, the angel says, I, I wished you were either hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. And, and uh, we oftentimes allow ourselves to become lukewarm or, or even outright cold instead of passionate hot after the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that this is true with, with Jacob. Uh, he's uh, coming back. He's starting to pray to the Lord. But in verse 22 of Genesis 32, we see he's still deceitful. In the middle of the night, he moves his whole camp across the way. Uh, he's hiding out from uh, his brother. Uh, he's doing things different than what he told the people uh, that he would do. And so I think one of the questions we have to ask this morning is, what have we allowed in here that shouldn't be in here. I remember I was 10 years old when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. and We attended a little church, a Baptist church in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And uh, it was a Sunday evening, about 30, 35 people present. And I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I knew that I needed Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But I didn't want to walk forward in front of all those people. So I went home that night in my bunk bed. I promised the Lord that the next time I ex experienced that uh, feeling, that compulsion, that compunction, that, uh, that I would go forward. Uh, being a kid, I didn't realize I could have accepted the Lord right there in my bunk bed. So I waited. Next time I felt that, it was a citywide revival <laughs> on the football field of uh, the Alamogordo Tigers. <laughs> And there were probably about 2,000 people there to a 10-year-old kid that looked like 20,000 people. And wouldn't you know it, I, I, felt, I felt like God wanted me to go forward. It took a while, but I got down there. And I came to the Lord. 
A year later, I was at a Royal Ambassador camp, Camp Inlow, uh, not far from Glorietta, down around Santa Fe, and, uh, and I felt the Lord tugging at my heart that I needed to commit my life to him for full-time Christian service. So I did. Took uh, six times singing through all six verses of Just As I Am, but on the last one, I did. I hung in there pretty good till high school. And then football and sports became active. And, and really, if I'm honest, I began to worship uh, the God of football or make football my God. And junior year, began to get uh, letters from colleges and possible scholarships and then began to get scholarships. And I knew God wanted me in Bible college, and yet I wanted to play football. And so I said no to what God was saying, and, and I went to play football. And, uh, and uh, that first year of college, that's about all I did, except withdraw from all my classes with passing. Uh, you know, WP, do they still have WP, withdrawal passing? Uh, anyway, <laughs> did all that. And, and then in March, I get a letter from an uncle I never knew I had by the name of Sam. I know Sam in my family. And, and, and it said, greetings, greetings. And it said, you have been inducted into the United States Army. You have 27 days to report to Fort Ord, California. I didn't want to go in the Army. This was 1968. It was right after the Tet Offensive. Uh, a lot of people were dying in Vietnam. Uh, I... Uh, I don't mind to serve my country. I just didn't want to die for my country. I, I have to be honest. And so I immediately went down to the Air Force. And I said, is there any chance of getting in? They said, they laughed. They said, we have a three, three and a half year waiting list. Other people had figured out they wanted to serve their country but not die for their country. And I said, well, does an appointment to the Air Force Academy make a difference? They go, you? <laughs> I go, yeah, afraid so. Uh, they said, well, if we can verify that, yes, it does. And the next afternoon, I was sworn into the United States Air Force. I had to wait over four months to get to basic training because they had to find room for me. When I got to basic training, it was the end of July. Uh, it was the second day. That's when they finally let you go to bed at midnight and tell you that you're going to be getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And they also say if you get out of bed, you'll go to jail. Uh, back in those days, if you did anything wrong, you were going to go to jail. Uh, you learned real quick at basic training within the first 20 minutes that you'd given up every right that you ever had and you were no longer your own. <laughs> so that second night, World War II barracks... No air conditioning, 104 degrees in San Antonio, Texas. I'm in the Umper book. It's hotter up there, you know. And I looked at the ceiling and I said, God, how did I get here? He said, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> he said, remember how you gave me your life and said that it would be about full-time Christian service and and then you made this detour and you began to chase the God of football. He said, that's how you got here. Do I have your attention yet? 
I just entered into a four-year contract for the rest of my life, it seemed like, at that point in time. And so I got out of bed under threat of going to jail, and I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, as soon as my contract is up, I'll be in Bible school. And I kept that promise, and I never looked back. The thing is, we can wonder from the Lord. We can wonder in a big way like that, or we can begin to allow little things in our, door, our lives that, that make the Lord less and less, and, and, and we wonder from the Lord. And this is, this is exactly what Jacob had done, and now he was returning home. Now, as we come and, and we look at this, we see that in verse 24, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. We're going to see that uh, uh, Jacob has spent time uh, uh, before the Lord. He wandered from the Lord, but now he's waited on the Lord. The Lord met him in uh, Laban's land, and, and uh, the Lord gave him uh, quite... Uh, a number of sheep and goats, and he's coming home. And, uh, and we find that not only did he wander from God, but he, he waited on God. Uh, one of my favorite uh, waiting verses is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, that's what it says in the King James, in the New King James, but in the New American Standard, it says, Cease striving and know that I am God. I like them both. Because I think there are times in our lives that, that uh, we need solitude and silence. There are times that we need to get away just to spend time with God. There is so much that, that uh, challenges our schedule, and there's so much packed into it that there are times that we just have to become quiet to hear the voice of God. I love the story of Elijah after he calls down fire uh, from heaven on Mount Carmel. He gets scared, so he goes and he hides in a cave. <laughs> and it's finally in the silence and the stillness when everything becomes quiet. God comes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And you know, there's so much clutter and noise in our lives with television, radio, stereos, iPods, iPads, uh, I whatever's and uh, that that there's just this constant bombardment, and we need to create time of stillness before God that we might hear from Him. Uh, in Luke chapter eleven, we get a little insight into the waiting on God and the stillness there. And, uh, some of you will remember that. Uh, excuse me, it says Luke in your bulletins, but it's really John. Uh, so if you're in Luke, you're going to be all confused because you're going to be in the Lord's Prayer. And that's a good place to be, okay? But uh, in John chapter 11, 1 through 5, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, uh, of the Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair and whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he who... Uh, you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified. Now, as you go on here, when Jesus finally gets there, Lazarus has died, and the sisters say, Jesus, 
If you'd come when we called, he wouldn't be dead. But most of you know the rest of the chapter, the rest of the story. And this is where Jesus uh, simply prays a, a simple prayer. Lazarus, come forth. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, I heard an African-American preacher preach on this a long time ago in Birmingham, Alabama. Young man, and I'll never forget what he had to say. He said, the Lord may not come when you call, but he will always be on time. Amen? Amen? Can you repeat that with me? The Lord may not come when you call, but he'll always be on time. And that's true. But there are times in order to know that and to hear that, we have to wait upon the Lord. Well, Jacob waited, and as he waited, he finds himself wrestling with God back in Genesis 32. For in verse 24, it says, But when uh, Jacob was left alone, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Now, there's all kinds of uh, speculation as to whether this was an angel of the Lord or, or very God himself. I find it interesting that Jacob uh, uh, named the place Penel, which means to look God in the face, to look at God face to face. And so Jacob was, uh, whether it was an angel or God himself, he was definitely wrestling with the Lord. Uh, we see that, uh, that Jacob was actually prevailing. And you say, how can this be? Well, God has a plan in all these things. And in the process, we see that God touches his hip and it is dislocated. And, uh, and we see that, uh, that uh, he uh, prevails, but uh, uh, he doesn't leave without pronouncing a blessing to Jacob. Now, you see, we wrestle with God. The Apostle Paul uh, describes that in Romans chapter 7. And if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to Romans chapter 7 with me. I think that this is uh, one of uh, some of the most encouraging portions of Scripture in Romans 7.15 because Paul lays it out the way it really is in our lives. He says this uh, in Romans 7.15. He says, For what am I doing? I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, with the law confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. For now I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh... For, my, for, the willing, uh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. But if I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. He goes on and in verse 34, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with the flesh, the law of sin. 
And then verse 1 of chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. What a battle. And we all experience that battle and that wrestling that goes on within us. We come to the Lord, we give him our heart and life, we believe that he is our savior, and uh, then we start out on our Christian life, and, and we're going to live the Christian life, and we hit a road bump, and, and all of a sudden we realize we've sinned here, we've sinned there. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the lady who pulled up behind uh, a guy who actually decided here in Grand Junction to stop for a yellow light. And she was furious. She was yelling at him. She was honking her horn. She was making hand gestures, which I won't make at this time. Uh, she was going berserk. She didn't realize that there was a Grand Junction police officer behind her. He stepped out, asked her to roll down her window, asked for her driver's license, registration. She was very indignant. He asked her to step out. He handcuffed her and arrested her took her to a holding cell. Two hours later, he came to release her. And he said, I'm very sorry, ma'am. He said, uh, you know, I pulled up behind you. He says, uh, there on your back of your car was an ichthus, a fish. There was a bumper sticker that said, uh, follow me to Sunday school. He said there was a license plate deal with uh, the name of the church on it, and he says, uh, here you were doing what you were doing. He says, I just assumed the car was stolen. <laughs> he, says, he says, I'm so sorry I detained you. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah. Sin enters in. Sermon on the Mount, we're told we're not to say raka to our brother, but uh, driving to work in the morning, uh, <laughs> that might happen. Sin enters in. We don't want that. We don't wish for that. But it happens, and, and we have to wrestle with God in it. And, and this is where the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes in. If you turn over to Galatians chapter 5, uh, good words for us here in Galatians as we wrestle with this. In Galatians 5.16, uh, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then when we jump down to verse 19, there's, there's a whole list of the deeds of the flesh that can enter in. And, and the important thing is that we realize that we are to walk by the Spirit. In Galatians 5.25, it says, If you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So here's the situation. We come to the end of ourselves. We realize that our only hope is Jesus. And so we give our heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he comes in as Savior. And then we try to live this Christian life in our own strength. Sounds a lot like the exchange life we had here at the church, doesn't it? And so what happens is, is we go out, we're trying to do it on our own. All this stuff sneaks in just as it did with Jacob. 
And what happens is we hit the windshield like a bug when the car's doing 80 miles an hour as we break the law going five miles an hour over the speed limit. Or if we're on the Utah side doing 85 miles an hour or 90 or whatever it is. He gives us a gift in our Christian life called tiredness and frustration. And we hear that in Paul. Paul says, who's going to deliver me from this life? I can't. I can't. And that's what he wants us to learn. You know, when I was a two-year-old, my, my parents used to have to cut my shoelaces off because I wouldn't let them tie them, and I'd tie them in all kinds of knots because I thought I could, but I couldn't. And it's the same way in our Christian life. And we have to come to the end of ourselves where we say, I can't. And we realize that if we're going to live by the Spirit, then we need to walk by the Spirit. And the only way we can do that is by the instructions of Ephesians 5.18, which simply says, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're saved. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But just like your vehicle, sometimes the gas gauge says, and that's where all your power comes from, right? It says half or it says three quarters or a quarter. Uh, this is something that, uh, that we need to appropriate for our lives. And Scripture teaches that it needs to be daily. It says daily we need to die to self. I need to die to Doug. And I need to live to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as I'm really driving my truck, I have to fill it up daily or every other day. We're no different. We need to pause before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. And Lord, fill me. You see, uh, Bill Bright called it in Campus Crusade, now called crew, spiritual breathing. As we exhale... We confess sin. We get the garbage out. You ever have to debug your computer? <laughs> Same thing, garbage in, garbage out. So garbage in, we've got to debug it. We've got to get it out. And the way we do is to confess that to the Lord. First John 1 John 1.9 says he is faithful and just to forgive all unrighteousness if we'll but confess it. And so we start with confession. And then we ask him to fill us afresh and anew with his Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 5.18, it's an imperative, it's a command that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it also goes on into the perfect tense or whatever, where it denotes that we need to keep being filled, being filled, being filled. Now, we never stop, I don't believe, being sealed and, and, and indwelt. But if someone gives you a five-gallon bucket from either Home Depot or Lowe's, and it has a gold nugget in the bottom... Would you rather have a five-gallon bucket that is indwelt with gold or filled with gold? Which do you prefer? Yeah, filled. And that's what the Lord prefers in us. And this is what happened to Jacob that night as he wrestled with God. For we find that for the rest of his life, Jacob walks with God. Now, he walked with a limp. He walked in brokenness, but he knew that his only hope was God. He had looked him face to face, and he even named the name of the place Penel. 
And as we look at it in, uh, in uh, verse uh, 30, it says, So Jacob uh, named the place Penel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh. After I spilled coffee all down the front of my shirt today, my day went kind of not how I'd planned. So back on the desk in the third office on the right, there are two pencils laying there, and I wanted to bring one of them to this service simply because I want us to understand that God uses brokenness. In the old days, they had Sunday school and and they had things like flannel graph stories and pictures. In fact, Child Evangelism Fellowship was here today, and I remember an Easter Sunday where I invited uh, uh, the CEF people to our church in Kailua, Hawaii, where we had quite a few Marines attend, and they did the flannel graph story of the resurrection. And even then, not a single Marine had ever seen a flannel graph story. They, they were just mesmerized by that. How do those things stick up there? How does, this, how, how does this work? And they were all on the front row. And either Schaefer gave the simple gospel presentation that morning in flannel graph, and four Marines accepted Jesus Christ. Two of them are ministers of the gospel today. Hmm? CF doesn't just work with kids. <laughs> Works with Marines, too. Uh, and it would work with Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Navy. Trust me. Uh, but we had Marines. Well, they used to have a picture of Jesus with a lamb around his neck. Any of you ever seen that picture? Jesus is carrying the lamb. Do you know the story behind that? When there's a lamb that likes to run away, the shepherd in that day and age, this was before cruelty to animals, I guess, would pick up the lamb because he knew the lamb was coyote bait or bobcat bait or mountain lion bait. He knew that predators were out to eat lamb. They like lamb, whether you do or not. And so if this little fellow kept running away, what he would do is he would pick him up, and this is where I wanted the pencil, <clears throat> And he would take his leg, and he would snap it. And then he would put that lamb, he would splint the leg, he'd rub it with olive oil, and he would put that lamb around his neck, and he would carry it for six weeks. When he took the splint off and set that little lamb down, you know how many times that little lamb would run away? None. That little lamb was that shepherd's shadow for the rest of his life. What does Psalm 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so what happens is the Lord allows uh, brokenness to come into our life to, to push us in the direction of realizing that Jesus is our only hope and, and accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And then Jesus does the same thing all, all over again. He allows brokenness to come in our life. 
so that we'll realize that we can't do it on our own and in ourselves, but we need to do it in the fullness of his spirit. He uses brokenness. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3, the very first beatitude says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In the Greek, that word for poor in spirit is the word tokos, which means broken. Utterly broken, totally dependent. Blessed are the broken, for those are the kingdom of heaven. That should give you hope this morning. That should let you know that God can use you whether you're skinny or fat, whether you're tall or short, whether, whether, whether you're super intelligent or not so super intelligent. God loves broken things, and he makes beautiful things out of them. As I think of the lamb, and I'll close with this, I think of another lamb, the Lamb of God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a bullseye. <laughs> and you may not miss it by much, but I don't care who you are, none of us hit the bullseye. We miss the mark. In Isaiah 6, uh, 64, six, it tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is nothing that we can bring to the Lord. But in John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And in Romans 5.8, it said that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And to sum it all up in Revelation chapter 10, not Revelation, but Romans. See, they both start with an R. I, I got to get over that coffee stuff, <laughs> and I will by the end of the day. But uh, in Revelation, uh, Revelation, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And in verse 13 it says, Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Next week we're going to talk more about his forgiveness and what it looks like. Today I'll just simply say it's complete. The cost was his life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 said that the Father made Jesus the Son who knew no no sin to become sin in our behalf that we might become the righteous ones of God. And it cost him his life. So how do I want to end this this morning? I'm going to end with a word of prayer. Matt is going to be playing music, and after the prayer, we're free to go. But if there's anyone here this morning, and you realize that uh, you've never believed in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, and you've never actually told him, I'm I'm sorry for my sin. Please come into my life and thank you for becoming my Lord and Savior. I want to give you opportunity to be able to slip to the front here and elders and their wives will be here. And you can do that. And this becomes the beginning of a whole new life, a life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you did that and you've done that a long time ago, but uh, 
as you look back over the last few months or years, you realize you've kind of wandered from God. It's time for a fresh and filling of His Holy Spirit. It's time to get stuff out so that He can fill you up on the inside with His power and His presence. I want to invite you to come and drive that stake here in the ground. Jacob drove a stake at Pinnell. He limped for the rest of his life. But brokenness is really the key to knowing the fullness of God in our hearts and lives. Amen? Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, through your Son, you provide everything that we need. You provide salvation. You provide the fullness of your Spirit in order to live the Christian life. You provide instruction, you provide correction, you provide reproof, and Lord, we thank you for the encouragement that you give. Lord, you love us, and Lord, if there's anyone here this morning feeling unloved, I I, I just pray that you'd pour that love out upon them. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day they drive the stake and they cross to the other side and they make you their Savior. And Lord, if there are those of us who are here that need a fresh and filling of your Holy Spirit, we've been doing it on our own far too long. We forgot that your word says if you walk, if you live by the Spirit, then walk by the Spirit. Our walk is a little rusty. I pray, Lord, that we'd humble ourselves and we'd pray for a fresh and filling. So, Lord, uh, grant our prayers this morning. And as you take us from this place, uh, remind us that you take us into our mission field. And it's there that we want to show the love and the fullness of Christ to others. And we'll just thank you and praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there are those that need to come, come. As you go, remember there are the profile sheets. God bless you.